Welcome to the Opportunity Collective, a collaborative network of emerging leaders who are creating new opportunities for ourselves, but more importantly, for others. I'm Daniel Eccles, and I'm here to guide you on the path to turning your plan A into a reality, and that's the impact that you feel called to make. And here's the secret sauce and how we make it happen. Collaboration is greater than competition. By working together, we can accomplish far more than we ever could alone. In each episode of the Opportunity Collective, we showcase remarkable leaders, creatives, and entrepreneurs, and we start creating opportunities through three questions that we ask them. What are you excited about? How can you help? And how can we help you? So join the Opportunity Collective and start collaborating with other emerging leaders to create opportunities. Today, we are talking to my friend, Steve. You might see him on my Instagram commenting. His Instagram handle is Steve Can Draw, and that is exactly what he does. He is an illustrator. He is naming and claiming that title of what he does. He hasn't always been an illustrator. In fact, there was a time in his life where he was told that to be an illustrator would not be to glorify God. And so, I mean, what damage would that do to be told that the things that you're passionate about do not glorify the creator who created you to do things that you're passionate about? Uh, So we definitely will talk about that in our conversation. But I don't think I know many people that are as collaborative as Steve. He's an encourager and a really, really great friend. And you're going to enjoy meeting Steve. So here he is. Let's just get to it. Steve can draw. Well, it's one of my favorite people on Instagram as he hypes me up and hopefully I hype him back up too. Steve, thanks for coming on the podcast and for for braving this and just participating and collaborating with me in so many different things. I'm excited for people to hear your story and hear a little bit about what you're doing as a, a creative and Maybe, would you call yourself an entrepreneur? I, I don't know, but you tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell listeners about what you're up to, what you're excited about, and yeah, just give us whatever is important for us to actually know about Steve. Sounds good. First off, I'm so excited to hang out with you. Like, I'm excited to just hang out and have a conversation. I'm, oh, we have really fun. I've that. had so much fun with you <laughs> and whenever we've gotten the chance to do this. So, I mean, we don't need to have like a formal podcast recording, Steve, to, to make yeah. an excuse, but this helps. <laughs> no, for sure. It's going to be a good hangout sesh, I think. So my name's Steve, obviously. So online, I go by the moniker of Steve Can Draw. That's actually the name of, name of my business as well. Kind of speaks for itself. But I live in the Okanagan in British Columbia in Canada, which is arguably the most beautiful place on earth. I will fight people for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I live with my three favorite people, my wife, who is, we've been married now for 16 years, and my son and my daughter. So in my creative process, I am, well, now I'm going to start calling myself an entrepreneur now that you've put that out there. Well, there you go. You get to <laughs> On, on any of my intro, you'll see three terms associated with me, illustrator, writer, coffee addict. So <laughs> for the illustrator side, I am a digital illustrator primarily. With uh, writing, I have written a book of my own faith journey, which is called Thin Spaces. And I also use writing in my illustration work that I share online as well, just to enhance and maybe get into the mindset of what I'm sharing and what I'm creating. And as far as the coffee side goes, best coffee out there is a white mocha Americano, hands down. Okay. Well, that's the the fuel to everything else that is going on, to the illustrating, the writing, and then there's the the how you're doing it with the the coffee there, which is honestly a huge way that I really connect with your Instagram is uh, seeing different coffee posts and things like that, as I have also been introduced to the rabbit hole that is specialty coffee. So <laughs> have you ever tried one? Have you ever had a Ameri- Americano? I have not. I promise you, you'll love it without even knowing your coffee taste. I've never had a person not love that drink. I recommend it often. 
because it's the perfect balance between sweet and bold. So mm. I, I have yet to meet somebody who's like, I didn't like that. They're all like, that is my new go-to drink. So, so is that just that like a usual Starbucks sort of a thing or like what's the, you can get it. You can get it anywhere, but Starbucks is where I, where I got it from and it's off menu. So oh, it's yeah. really special. Well, you don't think <laughs> of like doing it as like an Americano. You usually think of doing it as a latte, but I, I guess yeah. that's a conversation for our other podcast. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get that, <laughs> the coffee podcast going. We'll have way more listeners. I guarantee it. But anyway, yeah. So illustrating, writing, those sort of things. Go a little bit more in depth on that of like what kind of stuff you are are illustrating and what things you are writing about yeah so when it comes to my art my illustrations to me actually the illustration and the writing kind of is cohesive and it goes together mm -hmm. but my goal or my mission is to create work that promotes vulnerability and authenticity mm -hmm. uh, so i also like to take a holistic approach to that as well some days i may do an illustration of something I'm walking through with my mental health or anxiety, something like that. The following day, I may illustrate a Lego minifigure. Like to me, what I want to share with people is the whole life experience, not just get pigeonholed in one area, but say, you know what, some days are like this and some days are like that. And I bet you can relate to both in, in their, in their own respect. Mm -hmm. So, so as a personal goal, my goal is to draw every day as a discipline and a practice. And as I've been gaining traction with what I've been doing in my business, I'm building partnerships with different organizations and different creatives. And sometimes I'll partner with a poet, for example, mm -hmm. and take their words and provide an illustration with it. And I don't want to say bring the poem to life, but maybe view it in a different angle, like, like get somebody to look at it a little bit differently. And that's always great to have a collaboration like that. Another thing I've been working on a program that I've launched recently, which I'm loving is called tuned. And mm -hmm. what, what I do with that is I take a realist, a real photograph of somebody that they submit and illustrate half of it. So half of their body illustrated. The other half is the photograph still. And in the background, I put some of their interests and quirks and things that are intrinsic to them. And it's a lot of fun. People, when they have a tuned illustration done of themselves, they're just like, I'm so honored. This is so exciting. And some people even use it as a profile picture on mm -hmm. their social media because it really, it kind of pops and it it's so much fun. So I've been doing that. Um, also been doing commission work. I love doing commission work for people simply because it's a unique project to them and in the creative field, no matter what you do, the very best compliment that you could ever receive is have somebody come back to you and say, you know what, you took what was in my brain, you, you took this concept that I didn't even know how to articulate, and you were able to bring it to life. And it's even better than I imagined it could be. That is like the golden compliment. So I love doing those sorts of things as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I mean, about like tuned to, I think that if there's anybody listening that has a personal brand on like Instagram or something like that, it's really cool uh, to maybe even make it your, your profile picture. But a lot of us are, are doing these things where if you're getting more followers, there's usually like a reintroduction. And I feel mm -hmm. like tuned is a, a great like photo to have in the background to whenever like maybe you're needing to reintroduce yourself to people who have recently followed you or needing to share it on like your story or something like that. It's like a, a pinned post at the top of your Instagram feed and you can share that. And, and it's just an easy way of like a, a bio, if you will, for, for people. And it really catches the eye. So I say that and I haven't even done that. So I'll probably have to, to get on that uh, pretty soon. And uh, well, I wanted to ask you, if you had a tuned illustration of you, what would you want to see in that picture? Not not just your photo, but like what yeah. do you think would be something that you wanted to show people off about yourself? Yeah, gosh. I mean, that's hard. Like faith is like definitely a, a huge thing for me. So something mm -hmm. alongside with that, but specifically, I don't know how you showcase this sort of a thing, but some of the, like the disciplines that I really enjoy are like Sabbath. 
<laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Like, like that's a huge piece uh, to my life. Coffee. I mean, that's an obvious sort of a thing. I'm really into soccer, but never mm. played it. I just nice. like watching it and yeah. uh, watching it specifically like American soccer. Um, yeah. I don't really yeah. watch European leagues all that much because they're not mine. So I care about what's mine and nice. enjoy that. Oh gosh. What else is there? I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. Maybe already. some like Indiana esque sort of thing. Some like corn Ooh. in the background, perhaps <laughs> a pork tenderloin sandwich, a basketball. That's very Indiana as well. Because I'm very, I got a lot of Hoosier pride. So, yeah, th- there's some ideas. We'll we'll see. I don't know. I, I really ought to do that and uh, and see what what comes from it. But I think what's prevented me is I need to get some updated. Uh, pictures that I enjoy mm. <laughs> uh, as well. So I don't know what picture yeah. I would send you uh, to, to tune. So, so yeah, I, I think that that would be a really cool thing to see other, other people that are part of the opportunity collective do as well as the commissions or a partnership, like putting words into an image. So like people's books or poetry or even like song lyrics and stuff for like album covers. I think that would be really cool collaboration Mm. as well. So yeah, I I, I think all of these things and what I love about it most is that you are very collaborative and just wanting to work on, on things with other people. So if this hasn't like how long would you say you've been been doing that illustration well i'm gonna say i think my illustration journey began was when i was three years old with a box of crayola markers but it mm. really started to take shape when i was six and specifically the animated movie beauty and the beast really prompted me the animation at the time in that movie was just like next level at that point in time I show it to my kids now and they're like, what is this? Uh, but <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. At the time, this was cutting edge. What actually really inspired me the most in that movie is, you know, you take the VHS tape, slide it into the player. And before the movie would start, there'd be previews. And in this specific movie, there was a, kind of a behind the scenes look at the Walt Disney Studios. Hmm. So they were showing the animators with the different cells, creating the imagery, that sort of a thing. And I remember in the living room when I was six years old, I was like, that is what I want to do with my life. I want to be an animator at Walt Disney Studios. So much so that by the time I was 10, I already knew what art institute I was going to go to after high school. When I was was 12, I had my course load figured out. I was was ready to go. So (laughs) it, it it was a big deal. Things shifted a bit when I was in later high school. So just before I graduated, I had a very dynamic conversion experience to Christianity. And at that point, I felt a calling on my life to get into ministry. And I had a lot of other people surrounding me at that point in time who echoed that calling and said they felt that as well. So I ended up shifting gears and I went to Bible college and worked towards becoming a youth pastor and graduated with my Bachelor of Arts with that. So again, the illustration at that point still was there but on the back burner mm-hmm. and unfortunately well i'm gonna say like anyone in their late teens and early 20s it's pretty impressionable at that point in time mm-hmm. and i had some folks in the church in my life who discouraged me from the illustrating and that side of it specifically they said that and i definitely believe this not to be true now but they told me that they felt that art did not glorify God or really have a place in a church setting and that sort of a thing. And being newer to faith and being newer to that aspect, Mm -hmm. I really felt that I had to give that up. I felt almost like I had to sacrificially say, okay, this is not part of me because it's not what God wants for me because I was listening to other voices rather than my own and that Mm -hmm. sort of a thing. So I ended up stepping away from that altogether. Every now and then I would draw and every now and then I'd still doodle or what have you. But I think those words, art does not glorify God, haunted me for many years. Mm. And so a few years ago, two or so years ago, my wife and I were having a conversation just in the kitchen and just talking about future goals, that sort of thing, you know, like when the kids graduate, what, you know, what are our plans, that, that kind of thing. And we started talking about vocation and 
my wife is so next level in her thinking sometimes. Like she just has these ideas and thoughts that I'm like, where did you come up with this? And she asked me a very simple question and it was, what do you, what did you want to be when you grow up? And she knew the answer. Like we've been hanging out for, we've been married for 16 years. She knows me. I told her like, I wanted to be an animator at Disney. And she just looked me square in the eye and was like, then why aren't you doing that? And that Mm -hmm. simple question has completely changed the trajectory of my life over the last couple of years. I fell back in love with illustrating. I felt like I was able to shed that mentality of art being sinful almost in that respect that it was framed to me in that narrative. And Mm -hmm. I've been passionately pursuing it ever since. And I think I've come alive again through it. And I feel like I'm finally doing what I was created to do. Yeah, gosh, I feel like there's like a more recent movement, I guess, within uh, Christianity to really look at it in a more holistic way of just Mm -hmm. like ministry isn't just specifically for people that are called into the church, that there's like actually that that's more of the back line of people and the people that are on the front line are the ones that are doing ministry within the workplace, within different industries and avenues and stuff like that. And so I feel like that it probably back then was definitely very almost dualistic in the way of just like, Mm. if you're going to do ministry, this is the way that you have to do it and everything Mm -hmm. else is not glorifying to God. Whereas like now it's like, no, like everything that we do holistically is supposed to, you know, and whether you eat, drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Well, you know, like. Absolutely. So I, I think that that's really interesting. How have you kind of seen your faith play into illustration, even with like this background of, of hurt and, and, trauma that comes from sometimes a a spiritual trauma, faith-based background. Those are some really good words and descriptions of it. I don't shy away from it. Mm -hmm. I actually lean into it more with my doubt, if you will, Hmm. because I've been finding I'm not the only person that feels that way. A lot of what I wrote about in my book was really just a place to give a space for people to ask questions and doubt specifically in a safe space. And it's been interesting through my work, be it read, writing or illustration, where people come back and say, I feel like you've told my story, but you didn't know me. Mm. And that's really empowering. So the fact that I could take that experience, that church hurt, and now hopefully funnel it towards a good positive thing for not just myself, but for other people and grow in that, I think that's really empowering. Redemptive is a word that I use often. Yeah. To, yeah. to look at the full cycle of the story I just shared from being a six-year-old wanting to be an animator to going through this journey and now on the other side feeling almost like that's fulfilled in the calling that was on my life. But we had to kind of go on a sidestep to get there. And I think without that, I don't know if I would have appreciated it as much. Hmm. You know, I think that right now, feeling like I'm in the, the realm of what I was called to do with my life in creating things, I feel like it's that much richer because of it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that whole vulnerability and authenticity, I think that that's been a part of your story throughout mm-hmm. the entire time, no matter where you've been, whatever the assignment is. I feel like that yeah. is the theme and the calling that you you do through different mediums and the medium that just speaks to you the most. And like you're currently excited about is the illustration and, and the writing Mm -hmm. that you're doing with that. But I'm willing to bet that you really brought a lot of vulnerability and authenticity as a youth pastor. Oh, I mean, honestly, that was probably the problem, right? I think that you said (laughs) that um, they were saying, "Uh oh, the kids are asking too many questions. And (laughs) that's exactly what happened. Heaven forbid. But that's fine. If if that's, if that's your setting, and that's where it is, maybe that's not the right fit, right? At the end of the day. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah, it's definitely though not a static thing. It's a it's a journey and something that we're always working through, and it's never too late. And just something to continue to find that next step and create opportunities based off of whatever it is that you're feeling drawn to and convicted towards. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. I think that that that's really great. 
I mean, with those transitions that you've had too, and the background, and this is only a more recent thing that you've come back to illustration, but you've done yeah. other stuff in between then. And those things play into where you're at right now and your story in a very major way. And one of those mm -hmm. things that I think was really interesting is being employed by a, a big orange box. It's a familiar brand in the United States, but are employed by the, the big orange box in, in Canada and doing leadership development and other things like that. How did you get into this <laughs> sort of a thing at the big orange box? And then like, what have you learned in connecting both your experience with leadership development and then also your creative almost solopreneur side. There's a new word for you to use. You're just solo, a solopreneur. Solopreneur. I like that. That's, that's brilliant. That's mine now, TM. <laughs> so after I left the pastoral role in the church, I needed to make some money. So I took on a job mixing paint in the big orange box. It's kind of funny because of all the places that it could have worked, of all the departments, I ended up in the paint department. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's really The creativity fun. was there. I wasn't selling plumbing fittings, but I was mixing paint for people, which which is fun. When you look at the whole story, it's like, ah, this has been following me. So I ended up in what we call an accidental career. I didn't huh. plan on being there very long. And and a few of my, my peers over the years have said that too. Like, and not in a negative way. It's just retail can be an accidental career for people in that sense. So mm -hmm. I didn't plan on being there very long. My, my goal was this was almost a placeholder to the next thing. This was, I was still looking at different churches and applying to different churches mm -hmm. and that sort of thing and trying to find my fit. But this wasn't my plan. This wasn't my long-term plan. So a few years into that, I had somebody in the organization tap me on the shoulder and they're like, you know what? You really exhibit leadership behaviors. Have you ever thought about becoming a supervisor? And all I heard in that statement was money. So yeah, I'll make a few bucks more an hour. Like, let's go. Heck yeah. um, <laughs> and I found in that I really enjoyed of all things, teaching people and leading people and guiding people and, and helping them see in the home improvement industry, when you're, when you're working there, it's not just a retail job. You're actually helping people improve their homes. And home for people is a very safe space. It's a sacred space. And I've said that to my employees in the past. We're in the business of doing something very special for people. You are not just mixing them a can of paint. You are helping them enhance their home and making it a place that they love. It, it goes bigger than just retail in that mm -hmm. sense. Because I know a lot of people think, well, I just work at a drive-through or I just do this. I'm only that, that, that kind of a thing. But I'm like, if you actually take a step back and look at how you're serving people, because retail in a sense, that's what it is. Customer service yeah. is serving other people. It's how you look at it. So a couple of years into that as a supervisor, I got tapped on the shoulder again. And someone said to me, have you ever thought about becoming an assistant store manager to start climbing up through the company? Now, still the money obviously played into it to get the raise, but also I found I'm like, wow, I can take what I'm doing and do more of it in a more empowered role. So all of a sudden I'm an assistant store manager helping run a store with 200 employees. Like just, I, I never would have pictured that that would be the spot I'd be in. So as I stepped into that role, I actually was identified in the company as an emerging leader beyond what I was currently doing. So I received an invitation very randomly one day to say, hey, the uh, vice president of the Orange Box of Canada would like to have lunch with you. And I'm like, the vice, so I'm doing the math. I'm like, that's like my boss's 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 boss. Whoa, this is like number two in the company. Like this, this is no small deal, right? So they actually flew me out to go have lunch with him. And I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know really why I was there. They just said, he wants to have lunch with you. So we're having lunch and he just asks me a very basic question. And that is, if you could change one thing in the company, what would it be and why? Can you imagine like number two of this massive organization asking you for feedback? Gosh. And it's like, what are you going to say? Like the pressure in that moment, uh -huh. because you don't want to be like, oh, you really suck at this. Or, you know, this isn't going well. <laughs> God, my job's on the line here. But 
I was honest and vulnerable and authentic. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I had an answer ready to go, even though I didn't know I was going to get asked that question. And I told him, I don't feel like our company has a formal leadership training program. What we do have is a mentorship program. So in your average store, you have 16 Mm -hmm. to 20 supervisors. And the goal is, or the, the strategy was, every supervisor was supposed to mentor one individual and have them ready to take their place when they get promoted. Mm. So there's two problems with that. In theory, great practice, but there's two kind of issues that I saw with that. The first one is realistically, not everyone wants to get promoted. Some people are perfectly happy and fine doing the job they're doing and wonderful. Let them. That's great. That pressure shouldn't be there. Yeah. So if you're mentoring somebody to replace you for a role that you're never going to get replaced in because you don't want to, that's problematic in its own way. And the second thing I acknowledged was we all have different skill sets. We all have different strengths and things that we're, you know, strong, you know, exhibit. And the reality is, is not everyone is a mentor. Not everyone is necessarily a coach or a teacher by natural, like through nature. That's just not all part of them. They have different skill sets. So we've set it up in this organization that everyone, the expectation is everyone's going to be a great teacher and they're all going to be promoted, but that's not the reality. So my suggestion to him was, I think we need an actual formal leadership training program for people that are interested in it. And he said, try it out, test it out in your store. I support you hundred percent, any resources, anything that you need, I will provide you. And I'm just shaking at this point. So I'm like, oh my God, like this is, that's a big deal. Uh, so I did. And the leadership program that I created primarily focused on two things. And it was how to be an effective communicator and how mm-hmm. to provide excellent feedback. Because I feel like those are the two things when you step into leadership role, it's assumed you know how to do. All the other stuff, all the ins and outs, like I've, I've told when I taught this course that I created, I can teach you that stuff. I can teach you the policies and whatnot, but I can't really teach you at that point how to be an effective communicator in the capacity that it could before you get to that role. Mm. So this is almost a curriculum I created and it was very successful. I didn't really think anyone knew I was doing this really. And all of a sudden I started having human resource managers calling me from other stores saying, Hey, I heard what you're doing. I, I like, give me the stuff I want to do it at my <laughs> store. Uh, wow. <laughs> That's a great feeling. And then all of a sudden one day, Unbeknownst to me, I have the vice president of human resources for the company fly out to come visit me for the day. And he said, Hey, I heard what you're doing. I like literally said to him, how, like, I haven't really been advertising this. He's like word of mouth, good stuff travels quickly. I want to know what you're doing. And I want to make this a baseline and standard for every leadership training course that we do in the company across Canada, all 182 stores. Wow. And years (laughs) later it is. And that is one of the things in my entire life I'm most proud that I've done. And actually in saying that, I think that's really important to do is to acknowledge the things that we're proud of that we do. I I think that the narrative in our minds is easy to go that space to say, you know, I could have done this differently or this could be better, that sort of thing. But if you're proud of something, if you've done something really well, acknowledge it, own it. That's, Mm. that's empowering. So to your question now, as an illustrator, as I'm leaning into more of what that calling is on my life that I feel created to create, initially, I started just to show up for myself. This was just for me almost. And I just wanted to share my work online with others. And I'm not a social media expert. I would maybe post two pictures a year at that point in time. So I didn't know what I was doing. But as I've, I've slowly been building traction and have been creating connections and friendships along the way, And the unexpected part of this is I've become a leader in a different way. I'm in a position now where through collaboration and connection with other people, I'm cheering on other creatives and I'm helping provide guidance Mm -hmm. to them, coaching and feedback for what their creative journey could be. And I never could have foreseen that. So when I look at my entire career from church to retail to illustration, leadership's been there, but it's been interesting how it looks different in every season of my life. 
Yeah. Well, so, I mean, what a gift to, as you collaborate with other creatives and uh, have been doing that really well, like, what are you doing for them? You're providing excellent feedback and you're also helping them be an effective communicator. So like those sort of, of things are like lessons that you've taken and it's been transferred into like what you're doing right now. You can't help but to do that naturally just because that's been your experience. So I think that's really, yeah. really neat way to kind of connect those dots and, and see that all these experiences you'd never expected to have them, but it's serendipitous that you end up Ooh. in the, in the paint department and then end up <laughs> just like getting the next step to the next step and finding, finding something that you can care about in places that mm. most people won't think to even try to find a reason yeah. to care. We were very quick, I think, to give up on if it's not the the perfect image of what we had in our mind for where we would mm -hmm. be, that we're going to miss out on a bunch of opportunities to to care or to to actually get into things that will will be really good for us. And I mean, what did you do on that too? You you thought how you could help other people uh, with the things that they were asking for help for. And you used your skill set that you had at the time to to do that, and that eventually was noticed, and not because <laughs> you were promoting yourself, but because you were just collaborating really well and doing things uh, to the best of your ability. So that is a repeatable model <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and I'm excited to see what's next. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's the thing. It's where is this going? I don't know. But I'm interested to see, you know, 10 years from now, how is this going to show up my life in maybe a different way? Yeah, who knows? But mm -hmm. I mean, it's really you're having a lot of fun right now. And I can really tell that. So <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm really happy. This is good. <laughs> well, I mean, all of those things are really great. And that's maybe the highs of your mm -hmm. experience in the the orange box, the big orange box. But then there are also things that, you know, no matter how much we we try, no matter how gifted we are, other things, limitations happen for each and every mm -hmm. one of us. We are just human in those ways. And you have had some limitations that are a little bit more of like maybe some some health concerns and other things that have made you have to to change how you interact at, at work and the things that you're mm -hmm. doing. How are you learning how to to balance both this ambition for, you know, promoting and like leading other people and leadership development and wanting to get out there with your illustration and your writing and make an impact on people's lives with also these limitations that you can't do it all. So in a very practical or pragmatic way to answer that. So I was diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of 20, and this is a whole other huge story, but High level, ever since I got that diagnosis, it's almost been a battle for my mind hmm. through different medications I've tried, through different neurologists I've seen. I have a type of epilepsy that is not very common, and there's not a lot of specialists in that field. So we've tried various treatments and that sort of a thing, and none of them have really been long-term successful, which is hmm. tricky. It's tricky to know that this is my life. But a phrase that I've used is, this does not define me. It's part of me, but it's not the only part of me. And there's a weird, almost acceptance dichotomy in that. But when I think of my work and my illustrations, I don't shy away from sharing that story with other people. I think it's really important. If I'm going to show up with vulnerability in what I do, I, I want to talk about that. And the interesting thing is most of the people that appreciate or, or connect with my work, my writing or my illustrations, aren't epileptic, very few are, but I find that the epilepsy journey that I'm going on also is very strongly tied to mental health and anxiety. Mm. And a lot of people can relate to that. Mm. And that resonates with so many people. And I, I'm glad I can be that voice in that. Having said that, by no means do I have my stuff together. I mean, honestly, all it takes is having a few consecutive days of having multiple seizures and I can just completely lose my motivation mm -hmm. and and i think that's fair and slip into anxiety and that that kind of a thing but in terms of limitations one thing that i've 
very painfully learned over the years is that the only limitation is myself when it comes down to it and my own mindset. That's, that's my big limitation. I mean, at heart, yes, I have epilepsy. I have not driven a car since I was 20. I've been out of epilepsy the rest of my life. I'm honestly probably never going to be able to drive. And I've made peace with that, which is always interesting to me because people, how do you not drive? Like, how do you survive? How do you, it's interesting, the things that just become part of our, our norm in that sense. But no matter how many seizures I have, no matter how many obstacles, whatever mental health looks like, when it comes to things like illustrations and the things that I'm, I'm most passionate about, like I said, the only limitation that I feel like is truly there is me. And I think for all of us, our limitations are only as big as, or they only hold as much weight as we let them Mm -hmm. and we allow them to have. So in that sense, that's the limitation I'm battling with is how many limitations I put on myself. And if I'm saying this is just part of me and who I am, it almost lets some of that go. And like I said, it doesn't mean it's an easy road because Mm -hmm. of that, but it, it, becomes a better road if that makes sense well and i think it helps your creativity too whenever we have some boundaries or limitations you have to be more creative in order to do some things that other people might take for granted but yeah i think that's really helpful even to me what you said uh, what i heard was you have i mean you struggle with motivation every now and then whereas some people might not be able to recognize that i think that you're one of the most consistent people when it comes to posting on instagram or or being creative and actually doing the work of of creativity and thank you <laughs> i i see that and it might be easy for me to compare myself and get slip into some competition mindset of just like well, gosh, I don't, I don't create as often as Steve does. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, he must like have this motivation thing down, but it's really nice to know, like, there are going to be times that we, we struggle with our own mental blockades and we're not going to want to do some of the things that we usually do want to do and our motivation yeah. will will go up and down it's just the experience i think of any creative that that's just going to be true but what's helpful mm-hmm. is when when we do have those things happen if we're stuck in that competition mindset and if i'm just comparing myself to steve like it's going to be a lot harder to get out of that instead of letting Steve encourage me and collaborating with him and sharing just kind of, you know, my motivation is a little bit down today or whatever Mm -hmm. might be helpful. So yeah, limitations I've learned for myself. I, I think there's just so much gold in Mm. your limitations and it, it might feel like a a bad thing, but like in every shadow, there's definitely gold waiting to be dug up. There's something there. And so if you dive in, learn to not think of like these limitations as necessarily a bad thing, but just as a, this is a thing and accept yeah. it in the way that we have, then you're able to, to find the gold in it and find the the ways that it actually is, I wouldn't call it a superpower because that, <laughs> that, I think makes light of the difficulty that these experiences are, but Mm -hmm. definitely can have some, some benefit from. And especially when it comes to, I mean, vulnerability and authenticity, like it'd be really hard to be, be vulnerable. And if you were perfect, (laughs) if you were always motivated, if you didn't have limitations or any of these other experiences, but that's the stuff that people are really reacting positively to for you and you're helping people out with. So what a gift. And I really appreciate that. So, I mean, I think we've talked a little bit already about this, but especially with like at the beginning with tuned or some commission work or partnership opportunities with people who would like illustration for their words Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that they're doing in their art form. But what other ways can you offer help to the opportunity collective? Maybe even like leadership development sort of things too. I think that you mentioned some of that. That's definitely a skill set and something that you could probably help other people with as well. But I mean, there are people that might not it might not be like a direct correlation uh, that are part of the opportunity collective. They're not all poets <laughs> or other yeah. illustrators or other things like that. But 
and you have a lot of transferable skills that could maybe help them out. So uh, what, what are ways that Steve wants to help? I, I think you summarized it really well. I mean, at, at heart, I always like to, when people say, what can you do for me? I'm like, I, well, I can draw you a pretty picture. <laughs> I, I hope I can draw you something good. But I think to your point, I think I am a great resource for feedback. I mean, that's what I've been learning and teaching people for the last eight years, especially through that leadership development mm-hmm. course that I created. And I think I'm an asset maybe to have, help people have a kind of a set of fresh eyes on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And even to something as basic as social media, like I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I've been figuring it out and I am happy to share my experience with what went well, what's been tricky, what would I do differently and transfer that to maybe the situation. Like you said, that, that can go to any situation in life, no matter what your creativity looks like and, and what entrepreneurship looks like for you. The other strength that, think that I exhibit is I think I'm a good ally for encouraging others. Mm-hmm. I love to cheerlead other people, especially when I look at somebody passionately pursuing their goal. I, I think that sometimes, especially at the onset of this, I know at, at, in my journey, when, when people would say, well, who are you? Just like you asked me at the beginning of this conversation, there's always that tendency to shy away to say, oh, I, I think I draw. now I own it. I'm like, well, I'm an illustrator. That's what I am. That's what I do. And when I see somebody leaning into what they're calling or what they're excited about, Mm -hmm. that gets me really excited. So I, to be perfectly honest with you, what you're doing with even the Opportunity Collective and a podcast, like from the time that I've known you, I see a vision. I see what you would like to achieve. It makes me excited. And I'm so excited to see, I feel like I'm on the cusp of what you're working towards and getting involved in it now is really exciting for me too. So I'm excited to see on your journey where this leads. And that is one of my, the most fun I have is to encourage other people in mm-hmm. that sense. So that I think is something that comes naturally to me. So if you're looking for a cheerleader, reach out. I'm happy to be that person for you. And I'll just brag on you for a little bit to other members of the Opportunity Collective. Is <laughs> like, I think that when Steve says this, he means it. Like I know Steve is going to show up and he'll show up mm-hmm. and for, for me, show up for other people and be an encouragement. It's not that you're just, you know, lightly giving like encouragement <laughs> that is just like fluff or things that people want to hear. When I've asked you to give feedback on some things that are coming down the line, you've given good feedback, but then you're also really quick to just be like, this is all really good. And this is all, I, I see the vision. I see why you're doing what you're doing and I love it. And that makes it all just so much more beneficial. So I hope people re- like follow you on Instagram and practice the, the Steve way of actually uh, being social on social media. <laughs> so <laughs> like, that, wow. I, I think that that's definitely something that people can benefit from and just makes Instagram a lot more fun. I know every time I get on there, like there's going to actually be somebody that I am looking forward to what they're posting or Uh, interacting with it, or I might, you know, just get a message or encouragement and uh, have somebody to talk to. So uh, it's definitely the the better way of going about social media of the the collaboration. And I think you're a great example of that. And I hope people reach out. I really do. So if you're listening, do it, just go over to his Instagram and follow him. So, and thank you. uh, Yeah. Well, no, thank you, Steve. Like, I was just really excited to chat with you today because I'm really loving getting to know you and, and be friends. So thank you so much for showing up to all the things that you have already showed up to. It it means the world for sure. But yeah, how could we help you? Like people in the Opportunity Collective, like you're you're helping me a lot. How how can we help you? I mean, the easy answer is buy my art, buy my book, that kind of thing. Hey. But, but bigger, I mean, that's, but to that point though, I think, and, and I know this isn't just me. I know I've had conversations with other people in this this creative field specifically mm. and effective marketing is a struggle. It's hard. I, that That's so difficult. And you look at what, like, what I've shared with you with the message of vulnerability and authenticity. 
what I create or a lot of artists create, it's, it's intrinsically coming from your soul. And how do you put a price tag on that? Mm. How do you promote that? That is a challenge in itself and it's difficult. So I know for me, that's my opportunity and I'm trying to figure out how to grow in that, what, what that looks like. I actually, and, and you're reframing that mindset of what that is because Hmm. I don't have to be a used car salesman. I don't have, that's not what marketing or, you know what I mean? That's, that's not what that has to look like. I mean, it feels like it, it a lot of times for sure, but <laughs> yeah. Only as much as you let it though. Mm -hmm. I, so the interesting thing, and this is one thing I've been learning very, very recently because I'm acknowledging this about myself, that this is a big growth area is artists, creatives tend to be great storytellers. Mm -hmm. And when you think of what marketing is and boil it down, it's storytelling in itself. It's, it's, it's a window into what the story is. And it's almost like a preface to what's to come. And I actually read a quote in the past week from someone named Amy McNee. She on Instagram goes by inspired to write. She's so influential. And this is what she said. Creatives are incredible business people. They just don't like telling people to buy their art. <laughs> And I love that so much because right, if you just as much as owning being an illustrator, I'm like, Hey, next level, how do I own that? I'm a storyteller and reframe that mindset and not be afraid of that. Because if I'm so eager to share my authenticity with other people and draw that out of others, maybe marketing doesn't have to be a dirty word. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to come with those connotations. So I'm, I'm finding a lot of hope in that. But I'm also open to feedback and suggestions and help from other people within this community because I, I would love to do it and do it well. Mm. Figuring out how to do it in your own way, that's a journey. But I'm absolutely open to feedback with that. I, I would love the help. Yeah. Well, first step is you're you're starting to own and you TM'd solopreneur. So there you go. You're an illustrator, but then now you're also a solopreneur and solopreneurs, they can market. So yeah, <laughs> there's one step. But yeah, it's just a continual journey. I mean, for myself too, of figuring out how to promote things. And and I'm I'm usually kind of scared to come across as just like too much. Like there, there he is with another podcast episode uh, that will get <laughs> three likes on, on Instagram, one being Steve. So like, it's a, it's a genuine like though. <laughs> yeah. And I know that too. <laughs> I, I really, really do. It's you and like Grant. Grant's probably the only uh, other person listening to this podcast besides our moms. But like <laughs> Grant, Grant will usually like something too. And then Kimberly. Uh, so those are my three. She's, Kimberly's <laughs> always good for it. I agree. <laughs> those are my three likes, but it's just, it's hard not to want to promote and all the things, but when it comes down to it, it's just, I'm excited about stuff. And I'm just going to share authentically like the things that I'm excited about and I'm doing this and I'm going to be doing it, whether I'm promoting it and telling other people about it or not, I might as well just tell people about it, I guess. Be so, proud of it. Be proud of what you're doing and where you're going. Exactly. Yeah. Like you said, own that. That's mm -hmm. great. So this is just the ownership of like, I am a podcaster, you're an illustrator, we're entrepreneurs which feels so silly <laughs> like yeah let me go on shark tank and yeah sell this yeah right but it definitely <laughs> these are our things that we are doing and we need to just tell other people about it but part of that also comes from if you're telling people about it and you realize how much of a gift it is when people actually ask you and you don't have to just go in your spiel without them asking. So, mm. and I think that is a powerful thing too. If you're excited about something, other people are excited about their things too. Ask them first and let them have the relief of not having to promote their art and sell their art. And just get genuinely interested in the things that they're doing.
So, mm-hmm. well, that's the spiel. And that's what we're going to try to continue to do on this. I, I think it's about time that we wrap up and then talk for about another hour off of recording, Steve. So it's going to be a good hangout. <laughs> we'll hang out. Nah, let's, well, let's talk music next. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Who I knows? Like that's the next step. I, I don't know a lot of great music. I'm not good at discovering new music and stuff. My Spotify doesn't help with that. So I could definitely use some recommendations in that arena. And my wife actually doesn't even like music. She will tell you that. She says, I don't like music. So she's one of those. So that's my household. But you, but you, you love her anyway. So yeah, it's good. No, she's, <laughs> she's good at so many other things. Music would just be one thing too many for her to have to work on and care about and, <laughs> and stuff. And, and she needs to give her more of her attention just to me anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, if that doesn't you're, tell you anything about Daniel's neediness, yeah. I don't know what will. <laughs> you're, you're so self-realized. I love it. <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm just I'm just needy and need a lot of affirmation, Steve. So, listener, this will probably be the last time you ever listen to me. But I'm glad it was with with Steve. Go check him out. Any links that we mentioned are, of course, in the show notes. Get out there, ask one another about what you're excited about. Just don't be ashamed to promote and to share the beautiful, wonderful things that God has gifted you with. We want to see it. So share it with us. You can always send us an Instagram message and say, Hey, Daniel, I'm really excited about this. And it could be something really random that I honestly don't care about, but I'm going to be excited for you and want to promote it as well. So go and do that. Connect with one another, get out there and collaborate because that's what's going to create more opportunities for ourselves, but more importantly for other people. See you next time. Well, there you have it. That's Steve. He is ready to collaborate with you. There's already a lot of people within the Opportunity Collective that Steve is working with on different projects. He is creating uh, a meaningful impact on the lives of other people through his illustration. And if you're in need of a a project, maybe a logo, or you want to do a tuned or some other way that Steve might be able to help you, just reach out to him. Steve can draw on Instagram and start talking. He will talk back like a real human being. So go ahead, do that. I'm excited. Hey, we have some more podcast episodes coming your way for the Opportunity Collective. I apologize. I've been a little bit off as I started my new job as a group's pastor at Traders Point. But I will be getting things a little bit more regularly coming down the line. We have some great guests already recorded that I think you're going to enjoy those conversations and also find some new ways to collaborate with other people. And we're gonna do that because collaboration creates opportunities and we want more opportunities for ourselves, but more importantly, for other people. So join us next time.